episode 48. The River of No Return The flow of the River of No Return whisks Hazel from the innermost vault of vaults and into an underwater tunnel where she struggles to hold on to the witch's hammer. Her body somersaults and flips and rolls and pitches. She goes forward and backward and this way and that way and those ways and sideways in ways you've never even imagined. She goes without a breath for the longest she's ever gone without a breath. And all the while she sees nothing but darkness. A cold darkness. Like the one you feel when you're homesick. She feels icy all over, and when she isn't feeling icy, she's feeling something scary. It might be in her head. An imagination can run all sorts of wild when a body is in peril. But it might not be in her head. Whatever it is might actually be in the river of no return. And it might not be a single it, but several its. Certainly, the River of No Return is known for its taxonomy of scary beasts. Slack-jawed eels. Barrel-eyed prickle-rays. Buck-toothed army anchovies. Saw-finned sculpin. And razor-whiskered piffle pigs. Not to mention its taxonomy of scares that are not exactly beasts. Spontaneous bounding boulders, poisonous pussy willows, and leeching lily pads. All of these horrible thoughts of horrible things that might be tumbling in the horrible waters go through Hazel's mind as she struggles in the rapids. But as it turns out, what might have been in the water isn't much worse than what's on the water. She doesn't get to the surface of her own accord, but she doesn't drown either. Instead, she's fished from the river, scooped up by a slimy net of vines and yanked onto the deck of a tottery raft. (gasps) Piloted by a small band, about a half dozen of people eating banjangos. Banjangos are referred to as people-eating banjangos by, of course, people. But there's little discernment on the part of the banjangos when it comes to their dietary preferences. Whatever they can catch goes into their pot, and after enough poaching time, it goes into their bellies. Which is exactly what they have planned for Hazel. No! Once they cut her out of their net, they lift her high overhead so as to drop her into their pot. No! No, 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 no! Hazel still clings to the witch's hammer, and she tries to fight them off with it. Mm. Mm. Swinging it this way and that way, missing each time when the raft rocks back and forth, throwing the banjangos off balance and keeping them out of harm's way of Hazel's swings. Desperate, Hazel winds up for a mighty blow, one that will surely thump a banjango or two into the river of no return. And when she lets it loose, her hands, wet and slimy, can't hold on and the hammer flies from her grasp. 
and sinks into the river. And now the Banjangos not only have the upper hand, but they have all of their hands wrapped around Hazel. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Or rather, wrapped around their dinner. There are many ways in which one would not return from the river of no return. Meeting one's end in the digestive system of a people-eating Banjango is one of the more common of these ways. Hazel, though, is far from common. She's survived brush-ups against goblins and a spinning woman. She's eluded a witch and her bat-winged toads. She's encouraged her orphan brothers to heroic feats. And she's even saved a Grolix from a jumbo, low-flying, vulture-infested pool of quicksand. Which proves to be a particularly shrewd decision, because just as the Banjangos are about to drop Hazel into their rolling boil of broth, roots, tubers, and fish eyes, the same Grolix leaps from the darkness and onto the deck of the raft. At first sight of the Grolix, the people eating Banjangos drop Hazel, opting to prepare for battle rather than prepare for dinner. Hazel plops onto the raft's deck. And when she looks up, she sees the Grolix making quick work of the Banjangos. A swat of the paw, a whip of the tail, and a bearing of great fanged underbite clears the raft of every single one of the Banjangos. Hazel remains lying on the deck and locks eyes with the Grolix, who surrendered his posture of battle cries and blitzkrieg for one of empathy. Having repaid Hazel's small act of kindness and compassion, the Grolix gives Hazel a look. Not quite a nod, but the same intent. And then he springs from the deck of the raft and into the darkness. Hazel is alone again, drifting down the river of no return, with darkness above, below, beneath, on either side. Darkness everywhere. She lays on her belly and hand paddles for the bank of the river. But there is no bank. It's solid rock. The river snakes its way through a cave that's who knows how long. Hazel curls up on her side, unable to think of anything but what she's lost. Her parents, the lilt blossoms, Wooden Wolf, the witch's hammer, the company of her orphan brothers, even Madame Drax can be counted as a loss at this point. Loneliness is so much more lonely when you know what you're missing. Hazel has fought back tears countless times, and her record in this endeavor is impeccable. But not this time. (laughs) This time, she's as lonely and as scared as she's ever been. So she gives up the fight, after dropping no less than a dozen tears and eking out no less than a half dozen sobs and sniffles. Sleep comes, and the loneliness leaves her. If only in her dreams. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch. Spontaneous Bounding Boulders. In the meantime, it's not a bad idea to think about good deeds as an investment. And sure, you might wonder when the dividends of good deeds will pay out. But if you're thinking in terms like that, then that's the problem. You don't think about good deeds. You feel them. In that way, 
the dividends pay immediately.